This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Watch and learn, Joe Biden. Watch Ron DeSantis. You just might learn something. (laughs) So Ron DeSantis is confident, in charge, knows what he's doing. Joe Biden is Joe Biden. So he went to Florida today to survey the damage. He was greeted by the governor of Florida. This is all appropriate, and it was very, very cordial. Uh, But during the press conference, I noticed a few things. Number one, Joe Biden was just staring at Ron DeSantis, and uh, I wonder what he was thinking. Ron DeSantis, uh, well, he was born in 1978. That's when Joe Biden was running for his second term in the United States Senate. What was he thinking? Who knows? Very possibly, though, you're looking at two presidents right there in that image. Hey, before we get to the politics, there's a lot to be done and a lot that has been done. Let's go through it. 97% of the power restored in Florida. That's great. 2,500 people rescued. 88% of the state roadways cleared. But, but... A lot more to do. They got to rebuild bridges. There is debris everywhere, and so many homes and businesses destroyed. Uh, for the most part, though, today, you know, we got the facts from the leaders of our state and country. There have been close to 100,000 structures in the most hard hit areas that have been searched. Uh, we've deployed resources that were pre-staged and are now in the field for food, water, and other types of supplies. There's 28 different points of distribution across the affected areas. 45 million bottles of water have been served. All good. All good. And Joe, for a while, was decent. Today, we have one job, and only one job, and that's to make sure the people of Florida get everything that they need to fully, thoroughly recover. We're one of the few nations in the world that on a basis of a crisis we face, we're the only nation that comes out of it better than we went into it. And that's what we're going to do this time around. Okay, not bad. But Joe is on his best behavior because a political superstar is right over his shoulder. So what does he do next? Well, he kind of runs away from Ron DeSantis, literally, and totally mischaracterizes what just happened, and injects politics into the whole thing. Thank you. Mr. President, what do state and local and federal officials need to do differently to prevent future loss of life? What the governor's done is pretty remarkable so far. I mean, this is what, what, he's, what he's done. In terms of, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, first of all, the biggest thing the governor's done and some of the others have done, they've recognized this thing called global warming. The world is changing. All right. It's now, listen, changing. now they start talking about climate change. That's what he wants to talk about, Joe Biden. They weren't talking about global warning, warming. You heard. They're talking about handing out bottles of water. They're talking about picking up debris from the street, not climate change. He's totally misrepresenting what happened. Now, watch him get confused. Liz, Liz. Anyway, 
Liz showed me a picture of the telephone pole yeah. we put up in Florida. I'm not sure what, where, where uh, that How's that for command of, uh, of the situation? <laughs> now he's grasping for some picture he saw on Air Force One. He doesn't know what's going on. This was uh, unfortunate, but expected. We've seen it before. Now, Joe did the things that presidents are supposed to do, tour the damage, right? He's supposed to look around and see things. And, uh, oh, before that, this was bad. Look at him. He's feeling up another woman. I'm sorry to do this, but he is. He's getting way too close to her, grabbing her hand. And who is that woman? <laughs> Nikki Fried. She's the Democrat nominee for governor. I don't think she wanted to be touched like, can I see it one more time? In this day and age, after Joe's been warned, look at how close he gets to this woman, grabbing her hand, putting his face next, smelling his hair, her hair, again, Joe, again? That's not good. That's not good. You're not supposed to do these things. I know you're powerful, but you can't do that. How does she feel right now? Anyway, he tours um, this area, that area, and that's good. That's what you're supposed to do. But, you know, he's Joe Biden. And he's high on his own supply. And he gets really carried away when he talks to the mayor of uh, Fort Myers. Listen to this strange boast and brag and profanity. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. He goes all the way to this disaster zone to Brett. No one, no, no one f's with the Biden. One more time, the little part. No one. F the Biden. Yeah, <laughs> In a disaster zone, he's talking about how powerful he is. In the middle of a disaster zone, he's supposed to be comforting. Instead, he's bragging. But you know, regarding the nobody f's with the Biden. In a weird way, he's right. I mean, the mainstream media, they gave up. They don't, they don't take him on. The swamp, they protect him. It's true. Let's go through it real quick. The Hunter Biden laptop, right? <laughs> Non-story, they tell us. Uh, Hunter, by the way, and I guess Joe Biden has a granddaughter that they don't acknowledge. Yeah, you can look it up. There are court documents about this. How about Tara Reid? Tara Reid and her allegations uh, against Joe Biden, those are very, very credible. She accused... Joe Biden of sexual assault. And everybody just pretends it doesn't exist. How about when he boasted at the Council on Foreign Relations that he, he essentially coerced the president of uh, Ukraine to fire that prosecutor? <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody follows up. How about Bill Stevenson? Who is that? He accuses Joe Biden of moving in on his wife, on his own wife. And who was he married to? Jill Biden. Is this news to you? A lot of people have no idea. How about when Joe Biden uh, showed up at that Cafe Milano when he's vice president with a bunch of <laughs> mysterious figures from Kazakhstan and Hunter set up the whole thing? How about when he was caught in 1987 lying and... Well, this is just ancient history? No, it's not. How about when he lost the Afghanistan war? How about that? How about when Joe Biden looked at his watch in the middle of a funeral, huh? And he gets away with it. They don't even show it on the news. I guess nobody does F with Joe Biden, huh? Including the trip to China, which reminds me of something. All right, changing gears right now. Uh, yeah, he did take Hunter Biden to China. And they did all kinds of stuff in China. All right, here they are having dinner. We can go into the associations and the 10% of the big guys some other time. But, you know, TikTok is really, really big right now. Um, 
I have an account. I don't use it. I should probably delete it. Uh, I'm learning more and more things about this thing that it's a threat to our security. Yeah, I think I got to delete this thing right away. Take a look at uh, CNBC. TikTok insiders say social media company is tightly controlled by Chinese parent ByteDance. And take a look at this. Inside, uh, cybersecurity experts worry that the Chinese government used TikTok to spread propaganda or censorship to American audiences or to exercise influence over users. And the Wall Street Journal reports as follows. It's all fun and games until China wants your info. Inside, they say... There is a lot the Chinese government might find valuable in the data TikTok collects about American users. It collects consumers' real-time location, search history, biometric data, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want them to have any of that. So, oh, such information is invaluable to create identity profiles, which hackers sell to the highest bidder in Chinese black markets. This sounds like a very dangerous thing. We should be distancing ourselves from it, right? So why is this guy, what's his name, Cooper? He's a very popular uh, YouTuber. I'm sorry, no, not YouTube, that's fine. Uh, TikTok, he's a very popular TikToker with 1.3 million followers. And he gets invited to the White House to hang around and create content for TikTok. See you, Daddy, bye. Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is a day in my life as a White House intern. <laughs> We did a joke. <laughs> hey, everyone. You remember this, right? This guy shows up and it's weird. But why would the White House embrace this TikTok thing? The China connection, right? And we know that Hunter is all mixed up with the Chinese. It really didn't make sense to me when this kid showed up. And somebody told me when it doesn't make sense, money is probably involved. Everybody seems to know that TikTok is stealing data and can't be trusted. But the White House hosts these TikTokers to help them spread the message about, let's see, to fight vaccine lies, authorities recruit an influencer army. All right. Inside, they say the White House has teamed up with TikTok users for pro-vaccine vac campaigns. Oh, imagine that. What else did they do? The White House is briefing TikTok users about the war in Ukraine. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> 30 TikTok stars gathered on a Zoom call to receive key information about the war unfolding in Ukraine. Biden officials stressed the power these creators had in communicating with their followers. What else is going on here? What else? So the YouTubers get on their, I'm sorry, the TikTokers get on their uh, channels or whatever they got going. YouTube is fine, by the way, for the most part. And they, uh, they repeat the party line. Literally, they repeat the party line on the vaccine issue, on the Ukraine issue. And Joe Biden actually jumps in these silly TikTok videos himself. You know, anything to show that he's cool with the kids. Who's the president, man? Who's the president? Byron. Who's the president? Byron. Do you want to tell Joe Byron right now? What's up, baby? Take me out the day. Uh, do we get it? We got it. This is, uh, this is not normal. This is not normal. Isn't that right, Joe Biden? Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Starting with you. Starting with you. All right, stay with us. Kathy Hochul, we got a problem here with this governor in New York. Our whole state is disintegrating, and she's screwing around with National Pizza Day. Yeah, we got big problems here. Be right back.
This is a very vapid, very silly, very useless person who is currently the governor of New York. Um, she doesn't get it. No way. She thinks she can wave and Queen Elizabeth her way into the governor's mansion for a full term on her own. We don't think that's going to happen because New York is disintegrating. It's burning up and she is totally and completely out of touch. All right. So we have crime like we've never seen before. And I find this amazing. She makes a ludicrous statement about electric cars, you know, like that's what we're thinking about right now. Listen to the listen to the emergency that's happening a half block away. By the year 2035, and I signed this goal last year, we've achieved that milestone that we can be zero emission vehicles. New vehicles all be zero emission vehicles by the year 2035. All right. There's a crime happening right there. And she's talking about something that's going to happen in 2035. Whatever. Whatever. Look, I'm not exaggerating. The crime situation is crazy coast to coast, but especially here in New York. All right. Again, the most notorious, weirdest, saddest, most tragic stuff we've seen. This man visiting his son on family day, family weekend at Marist College, a short distance away at a hotel. He's getting coffee. He shot and killed. Next, uh, you may have heard about the amazing FDNY lieutenant stabbed to death in the middle of the day on her lunch break, getting a sandwich at a deli. Uh, what else has been happening here? Um, these crazy people dressing up in green suits, uh, robbing young teenaged girls. Yeah, again, stuff we haven't really seen before, maybe not since the 1970s. A maniac with an axe. Uh, rampaging through a McDonald's, and he's out without bail in about six hours. Six hours later, he's free. He's out there right now. That happened a week ago. Uh, this woman nearly hacked to death at the airport. You can see all the security all over the place, right? Oh, gosh. It goes on and on and on like this. Uh, ooh, a shootout in the Bronx you know, several times a day. And this vain, silly person thinks she's going to just coast into the governor's mansion for her own term. No, I don't think so. We're going to call out your uselessness. Now, all of this is happening, right? What is she focused on? Running out the clock and pretending everything is fine. Now, we go to her official Twitter account. That's an important platform. Wouldn't you agree? Getting the word out. When the uh, FDNY lieutenant was stabbed to death, October is National Pizza Month. Isn't that fun? And she talked about how she worked as a pizza parlor when she was a, a young girl. Oh, isn't that nice? Who cares? Next, please. Uh, we had the situation with, oh, yeah, the Axeman. The Axeman. Now, what is she taking many selfies, right? Taking many selfies in Harlem. Guess what? That's not what they're thinking about. That's not what they're talking about. Selfies with the governor. Next, please. This is her official Twitter account as the city and state burn. Five weeks till we show up to the polls and defend our values. Let's do this, New York. Yeah, you go, girl. You go home. You go back to Buffalo. You are not ready. Next, please. Again, there are real things happening. Real things happening. And she's publicly oblivious. My message to girls across New York, know that you belong in positions of power and don't be afraid to chase your dreams. You know what, if I may? That's actually a useless message in and of itself. Forget about the violence that's unfolding. My message to girls across, you belong in positions of power. Notice, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to achieve anything. You don't have to work. You just, you belong because you're a girl, because you're a woman. You deserve power. 
That's how they play it. That's how they see it. Uh, next, please. I think we only have one or two more. Ooh, this shootout in the Bronx. This was scary, scary stuff. It's happened. And Lee Zeldin, the MAGA Republican, he is a threat to democracy? Really, huh? No. Lee Zeldin was almost killed during this campaign. Lee Zeldin is a Republican. He's running. He's got a really good chance. And yeah, he's attacked on stage with some nut job who had a, a weird martial arts uh, knife on him, tried to take him down. Good luck to Lee Zeldin. We can't officially endorse anybody, but um, he's a good guy. Oh, by the way, he was a lawyer for the Army in Afghanistan. All right, we'll see what happens. Anything could happen in politics. Uh, meanwhile, overseas, OPEC, not very friendly to the United States, but at least they used to respect us. They cut their production by 2 million barrels a day. This is exactly the opposite of what Joe Biden wanted to happen. You remember he went over there and he asked for he asked for more oil. They took a good look at Joe. They know what's happening in America and they thought this is a good time to enhance our power and limit theirs. This is an embarrassment big time. But after promising during the 2020 presidential campaign to make Saudi Arabia a pariah for the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, the president traded tough talk for fist bumps, urging the oil-rich nation to boost production amid rising pressure to combat sky-high inflation and soaring gas prices. The Saudis made no such guarantee during the trip. No such guarantee. But that's what we went there for. And they blew us off. Just remember, Joe Biden had to beg for oil. The president did leave with an expectation that more oil will be flowing into the market that could bring Americans some relief. But there was no firm announcement. Well, we have, an, we have a firm announcement now. Two million barrels less per day. This is going to hurt us big time. They don't like that the Biden administration is playing footsie with Iran and trying to revive the nuclear deal. And I think they took a good look at Joe and they thought, this guy, this guy is weak. <laughs> this guy, I mean, the administration has to do so much just to make him appear as if he's in charge. They can't, they can't defend us. They can't serve us adequately. Very, very sad and troubling. All right. It's college time, right? Uh, it's fall, and uh, a lot of folks went off to college, and that's, uh, that's nice. That's nice, right? And uh, isn't it kind of cool when school starts? It was the one time I was enthusiastic about school. School supplies, new school supplies moving in. Anyway, I saw some heartbreaking information in the paper today. Take a look at this. Here in New York City, students who are college-ready getting out of high school, only 57% of city students are considered college-ready and this, this was really the heartbreaking part right here. New York City students who went off to college, 37% dropped out in their first semester. I don't know. I just, again, the hope that folks have when they go off to college, um, we have a major, major problem. And what are they talking about? What are our city leaders talking about? Climate change, <laughs> building tents for migrants. These numbers are heartbreaking. And no one's talking about the solutions. And by the way, college isn't for everybody. You know, a lot of folks are pushed into college when trade schools might be a better alternative. You know, you start saving money when you're 18. 
you'll do better than those college kids who don't start saving money until they're, what, 25, 26 years old with compounding interest. Those college kids may never catch up to the kids who went to trade school if they start saving. Something to think about. All right. Stay with us. So the Bidens went to Florida and there's Jill. Hey, what's up with their shoes? I don't particularly care, but you should see what they did to Melania Trump when she wore high heels to a place they thought she shouldn't wear them. Pretty interesting contrast in the treatment. Stay with us. All I can can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it to them. Hey, by the way, listen how the crowd goes absolutely wild. They don't get it. They don't get it. All right. So remember when Kamala Harris let this slip the other day? It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making. And so we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. You know, not too long ago, we talked about hurricanes, you know, We're all in this together, right? We're going to get through this together. Now it's all about race. This is code words, make no mistake, for race, okay? And how you hand out the, uh, you know, the equipment, the money in the aftermath. You're going to really play games with race. That's how it's going to work. Well, this was a ludicrous comment. She was panned. But the fake news, they picked up her water and they're running with it. So last night on the NBC Nightly News, their very first story was about equity in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. FEMA has been on the ground, but miles from the coast in predominantly black and Hispanic neighborhoods, some say help has not arrived. Do you feel ignored here? Yes, very much. No Red Cross, no FEMA, no nothing. <laughs> it's, this is a classic drive-by media, as Rush Limbaugh would say, going around, stirring up the pot, getting people to agree with them, all right? They're manipulating these people, in my opinion. FEMA. FEMA. Next, please. Now they're concerned they won't get the aid they need. A recent study shows communities with large populations of black, Hispanic, or Native American residents often receive less money from FEMA than mostly white communities. Than those pesky white communities. Well, we took a look at that study. It's not particularly recent, and it's not particularly authoritative, and it's not produced by the government, yet they're trying to make this a thing when it's not a thing, okay? It's silly. It's silly, and they're trying to allow Kamala Harris to save face. Next. Carrie, I'm curious to know what FEMA's response is to getting aid to minority communities. Well, Lester, tonight FEMA tells NBC News they're working to reach the immediate needs of survivors, while at the same time expand initiatives to get out to those vulnerable and underserved communities. Yeah, the immediate needs of survivors. Lester Holt, the political games will have to wait for another day. Hopefully, (laughs) 
It's, it's everything's political, unfortunately. But can you see the absurdity here? And how's this for absurd? Remember Melania Trump, the amazing first lady? Well, there was a hurricane a couple of years ago in Texas, and here they are leaving the White House. You'll notice that uh, the president's wearing a jacket, and Melania is, she's ready for outdoors, right? And she's wearing high heels. Now, remember, she's in Washington, D.C. She's on her way to the helicopter. And the fake news goes wild, one headline after the next. Oh, how dare she? She's wearing stilettos to a hurricane? Oh, what a, how insensitive. How, this is terrible. This is the worst thing in the world. Now, <laughs> more on, remember, she's still in Washington, okay? Well, uh, who's the first lady now? What's her name? Uh, Jill. Jill Biden went to the hurricane. And guess what she wore? Stilettos. I mean, not the spikiest stilettos, I guess, in the world, but those are high heels, right? Not too high, but those count. Those definitely count. And not a word of criticism. And I don't think, quite frankly, she deserves it, but I don't think Melania deserved it either. And by the way, Melania switched into flats on the plane. Actually, she switched into sneakers, okay? Hideous. Hideous the way they treated the Trumps. All right. Don't worry. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Meanwhile, Joe continues to lie. He just lies about everything. I know from experience how much, how much anxiety and fear and concern there are in the people. We didn't lose our whole home, but lightning struck and we lost an awful lot of it about 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Hmm. And you had all that anxiety. You can understand what these people are going through in Fort Myers who are without a home or a business or anything, right? You can understand that. Oh, Joe, stop with this phony connection routine. So he had a minor house fire in 2004. We looked it up. Lightning struck the home of Senator Joseph Biden, starting a small fire that was contained to the kitchen. The fire was under control in 20 minutes. Um, yeah, you didn't. <laughs> you see, you see how he does this? All the time. Doesn't matter who he's standing in front of. He thinks, I can connect. And maybe this worked in the 70s. It doesn't work now. Uh, I, I, I got raised in the black church. He knows I'm not kidding. I got my education for real in the black church. And that's not hyperbole. It's a fact. I probably uh, went to shul more than many of you did. <laughs> you all think I'm kidding. He can tell you I'm <laughs> I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home, politically. I just have one thing to say. Hang on. <laughs> All right. There you go. Dance a little bit, Joe. Come on. Give it up. Give it up. Prediction. This time next year, he won't be president of the United States. He will have resigned. Stay with us. Uh, John McLaughlin, the president's pollsters. I'm feeling great about the midterms, but what do the numbers say? Stay with us. So right now, According to a new McLaughlin and Associates poll, 62% of voters believe the United States is heading in the wrong direction. Now, take a look at this one. When it comes to the uh, midterm elections, wow, only 48% intend to go with Republicans as opposed to 44% for Democrats. 
Does that make sense? Let's bring in the president's pollster. He's done a lot of work for Donald Trump over the years. John McLaughlin, partner and CEO, McLaughlin Associates. Uh, he was very key in getting Donald Trump elected in 2016. Welcome, sir. How are you? Uh, it's great to be back, Greg. So what do you make of that? And, and am I, is that, I see a bit of a discrepancy there. 62% wrong direction. The solution should be Republicans, right? But the next poll doesn't necessarily say that or does it? Well, what, what the 62% of all voters say it's on the wrong track. But we asked the follow-up question because there's a disconnect. And, and the, the big disconnect was that uh, only two-thirds of those voters that say wrong track blame Joe Biden. And it's because the Republicans are not aggressive enough in blaming Joe Biden for, he's probably the worst president, worse than Jimmy Carter, maybe worse than since James Buchanan, who got us into the Civil War by doing nothing. So, right. I mean, it, it's bad. It's bad. And by the way, 48% Republican in a poll that's only 36% Republican. So anytime the Republicans are ahead, that's a really good sign. Uh, let's take a look at this. Oh, by the way, Donald Trump, you know what I mean? He's still <laughs> from the documents to uh, the law. He's always in trouble uh, with the swamp. They're always trying to get him. Take a look at this poll number two, if you don't mind. Seventy one percent of Republican voters want him to run again. And as to Ron DeSantis standing in the way, uh, poll number three. Wow. He totally clobbers him. Uh, right. uh, these are pretty self-explanatory. Any other takeaways, uh, John? Well, I, I mean, the more Biden fails, the uh, better Donald Trump looks. And and what's happening right now is, I mean, it's it, the inflation. You got 61 percent of these voters think the country's uh, basically in a recession right now. Trump left us with a growing economy. They say the economy is getting worse, not better, 63 to 33. And you've got national problems in terms of crime, the border, national security. I mean, you know, the, Joe Biden last year surrendered to Afghanistan. And now you got uh, Putin and Russia threatening, you know, Ukraine with nuclear weapons. And that would have never happened when Donald Trump was president. They feared him. You know, if you didn't, if you didn't like him, at least you feared him and you respected the United States. And that's all gone right now. And, you know, we're, day after day, we're seeing polls where the Republicans are doing better and better in the polls. The Senate races are closing. Republicans are moving up, and, they can, and it looks like they're going to knock off incumbent Democrat senators. We would certainly yeah. win the House of Representatives, but we've got 34 days to go, and we've got to keep pressing an offense, and we've got to keep saying that Joe Biden has taken this country on the wrong track. That's a huge number, and a lot of those voters are yeah. not voting Republican yet. And, John, these look like huge numbers as well. Have you ever seen them this high for crime? Number 12, please. Uh, most important issue, according to the Washington Post, ABC News poll, uh, Slate 12, 67 percent. Uh, and then the next poll, 13, 83 percent for Rasmussen of voters see crime as an important issue as the election nears. Uh, most important uh, for the earlier. Th these are big numbers for crime. And yeah. is that a game changer? Uh, absolutely. We've never seen the national crime wave the way it is right now, because in New York, those of us who live in New York, you've got cashless bail. We work for Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin released a poll last week that we had him within six points of Kathy Hochul. And if you don't believe our poll's right, all you got to do is look at what she's doing. She's running $12 million in negative ads attacking Lee Zeldin since Labor Day. And it's because when you ask the voters in New York what the top issue is, off the top of their head, half the voters are telling us it's crime. And it's, and it's just exploding, in, not just in the city, but in the suburbs, and it's also affecting upstate. You have shootings in, in Albany. The Democratic 
district attorney in Albany is calling for a special session, and he's a liberal Democrat attorney, uh, district attorney, calling for a special session to change the cashless bail law. I mean, it's unbelievable. They, they arrest criminals. There's shootings. There's all these muggings. And, and you can't go on the subways. And they're just, they're catching, the police are doing their job. Yeah. They're catching these criminals. And then the judges let them go. It is like totally out of control. Yeah, I mean, it really is in so many cities across the country. And this was all created. It did not have to happen. They wanted it to oh. happen. And now it's happened. Listen, John, we have to leave. Final prediction. Look, red tsunami, red wave. Any ch I mean, uh, how big do you think it's going to be? Well, it's going it, right now. The Republicans would take the Senate, and they would and they would significantly take the House. But there's 34 days to go, so you so you, you know we got to keep the Republicans from snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. So what we need to do is stay on the offense, press the Democrats on crime, press them on on the economy, press them on all the things they've done wrong for this country, make that wrong track vote a Republican vote. Love it. All right, thank you very much, John McLaughlin. To be continued. Check out. Uh, McLaughlinOnline.com. Thank you, John, very much. Thank you, Greg. Okay, and we'll be right back. That is Harvard University. Very, very prestigious. Thousands upon thousands of people get in. Only like, what, 2%, a half a percent are admitted? But they got a great big affirmative action program there. Oh, yes, they do. But you know what? Americans hate affirmative action. Over, overwhelmingly, people don't like uh, folks getting a break for, for something that they really had nothing to do with, their race. People of all races do not like affirmative action. Poll after poll has shown that. And you know, one group that has been adversely affected by affirmative action, possibly more than any other group, happens to be Asian Americans. Asian Americans, uh, by and large, the numbers back this up, so committed to studying and hard work, yet penalized, penalized in so many instances. Our friend Kenny Hsu is back. He is the president of Color Us United and the author of An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. Uh, welcome back, Kenny. And this is a hot issue right now because it's going to the Supreme Court at the end of the month. Can you do us a favor, bring us up to speed on how we got here and what do you think could happen? I'd love to. So nearly eight years ago, Students for Fair Admissions, which is made up of rejected Asian college applicants to Harvard University filed a lawsuit for discrimination against Harvard in the name of diversity, right? In my book, An Inconvenient Minority, I chronicle how left progressives love this term diversity. So willing are they to use this term that they're willing to actually discriminate against Asians to achieve diversity. You see, if Harvard did not discriminate against Asians, Asians would make up about 43% of the university. But because Harvard claims to want a diverse student body, they have to discriminate against Asians and require Asians to get about 270 points higher on the SAT just to have the same chance of admission as a black person. And this is what is being disputed today. So let's see. The Supreme Court will take this up, uh, I believe, at the, they're here, they'll hear, hear arguments at the end of the month, correct? 
Yes, they'll hear arguments on October 31st. Now, Katanji Brown-Jackson, she's on the court. We know she's a liberal. She leans left, and her vote is not necessarily decisive, but she is now opening up now that she's on the court. Let me hear the second 28, uh, 28 soundbite, if you don't mind. I understood that we looked at the history and traditions of the Constitution, at what the framers and the founders thought about. And when I drilled down to that level of analysis, it became clear to me that the framers themselves adopted uh, the Equal Protection Clause, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment, in a race-conscious way. Our founding fathers were race-conscious. Um, perhaps they were. Uh, what do you make of that statement, and what does it portend? Yeah, this is the progressive reading of the 14th Amendment. They think that the 14th Amendment means uh, basically we need to give as many rights as possible specifically to black Americans to redress for slavery. And while you know I sympathize with that cause, I think that the ultimate purpose of the 14th Amendment is to establish a colorblind America, a colorblind constitution. We should be removing race from our decision-making wholeheartedly. Uh, I think that Justice John Marshall Harlan's dissent in Plessy versus Ferguson, uh, remember, which was an 8-1 decision. He was the only dissenter. He said the Constitution is absolutely colorblind. It does not allow for a race line. And that was him voting against segregation. So I think that if we're, if we're going to be in America that truly aligns to the ideals with which we can strive to be a higher order America, we have to eliminate race in our decision making. And Supreme Court cases like this is one of the last vestiges of the legal use of race in decision making. And I think it has to be eliminated. Asian Americans have been very successful in America. And can you tell us a little bit about Number one, why that is. And number two, what have you incurred as a community as a result of your success? Hmm. Absolutely. So Asian Americans are one of the more successful groups in America. And in fact, they're the group that disproves the idea that America is a racist country, right? Because why would a racist country let a minority group coming here with no money succeed, right? It doesn't make any sense under a critical race theory framework. And this is why the left attacks Asian American excellence, which is the thesis of my book, An Inconvenient Minority. The reality is the reason why Asians are successful in this country has nothing to do with their race. It has everything to do with the fact that Asian Americans study twice as many hours as the average American. They come from stronger two-parent family structures. They have lower rates of crime and lower rates of drug use. Those are the facts. And the left hates this because it shows that culture plays a significant role in your ability to succeed in this country. That is, we are a meritocracy. So they attack this by saying, well, your success is actually privilege. And because you're privileged, we get to discriminate against you in things like college admissions. And that forms the brunt of their case against Asian Americans in this Harvard discrimination case. Wow. Uh, two more quick things. Anti-Asian violence. Um, it seemed to be on the rise. It also seemed to be exploited by Democrats who liked a certain kind of anti-Asian violence, but not another type. It's very, very strange, the, the, the conversation that happened. Is it, in fact, on the rise at this point? And secondly, what are your thoughts about uh, the chances of success uh, for your side in this lawsuit? Yeah, look, anti-Asian violence has been on the rise, 
But so is violence against every race, right? Um, Anti-black violence, anti-white violence. Um, and in fact, what the left likes to do is like they, they like to spin this into a white supremacy narrative uh, because of the Atlanta shooting, which was very tragic. But the reality is, according to the latest FBI data that we have, 28% of the perpetrators against Asian Americans are black, 25% are white, the rest are other races. So Asians are not like are not a crime or not the victims of white supremacy so much as they're just the victims of violence the way other people are victims of. So that's why I push back against this attempt to try to tie anti-Asian violence to a white supremacy narrative. Now, in terms of our chances to succeed at the Supreme Court, I think they're high. Even just Chief Justice John Roberts said in 2005 that the only way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. And I do hope you hold that to be true in this case. All right. Kenny Shu, many, many thanks. Um, check out the book and uh, the podcast. Is, how's the podcast, by the way? Oh, it's great. It's great. You can still get it on Apple, everything like that. All right. Fantastic. Uh, President of Color Us United, Kenny Shu, to be continued. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. You know, some of my friends and even some relatives of mine are surprised by some of the things I've been saying and tweeting lately about what's happening in America. They've noticed a change in me. Uh, and there has been one over the past several years, but it really picked up, I'd say, when, well, when I had children. This is my older daughter, Annalise. She is two years and nine months or so, and I have a little one at home, nine, just nine months old, with my wife, Judith. And anyway, uh, when you hear what's happening in America, and you're a parent, as you may know, you view things differently. You really, really do. And the idea of the woke curriculum that she may have to confront, no. No, I can't let that happen. And by the way, she's pretty amazing. Take a look at how she runs. Now, first, she backs up, all right? She walks backwards for some reason. I don't know why she's doing this. But then <laughs> she turns around and just goes for it. I mean, this is a sprint. I think this is pretty advanced for a two-and-a-half-year-old. What do you guys think? I know everybody says that. Here she goes. Ready? Go! Pretty soon we start passing people on the sidewalk. It's pretty good camera work, too, when you think about it, right? Anyway, I'm very, very proud and very, very happy. Oh, and look at this. She's very good at picking up things that I drop. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Anyway, if anybody's wondering who I know, uh, anybody, this is, uh, this is the reason. It has uh, made me so aware and so concerned in a good way about what's happening. Thank you, honey, and thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow night. All the best.